Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome in to another Baseball America Team Top 10 Prospects podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We're continuing our Prospects podcast series today with the Texas Rangers. We're going to talk about the breakout of Evan Carter, get updates on Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker, and see what the Rangers can realistically expect from some of the players lower in their system, including former top picks Cole Wynn and Justin Foscue. To do all that, I am joined by my friend and colleague Josh Norris, who took care of the Rangers system for us again this year in the Prospect Handbook. Josh, thank you for joining me today. Howdy, howdy. Almost the four of four down for me and 29 of 30 down for you. Yep, we are almost through this uh, Prospects podcast series. It's been a grind, but a lot of fun talking about all the prospects and all the systems across baseball. And Josh, this is a system that's pretty fun as well. Um, it's no secret the Rangers have struggled. Uh, they've had six consecutive losing seasons. General manager John Daniels was fired last year. Uh, Chris Young, who had already been brought into the organization, was elevated. He's now uh, overseeing the organization. And the Rangers have been very, very aggressive in free agency the last two years. You remember after the 2021 season, they spent more than $500 million to sign Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, and John Gray, among others. This offseason, they signed Jacob deGrom as well as Nate Uvalde. So they're spending money to fix the team in the majors without waiting for the prospects to arrive. But at the same time, they're also building a pretty good farm system, kind of pursuing parallel tracks. When you look at this system right now, how would you assess it and uh, the outlook for it overall as, as the Rangers try and get back on a winning track here? I think it's a pretty darn good little system. Um, you know, there's there's not a true, I think, super duper star at the top, you know, and that's reflected in our top 100. There's no, like, he's not a top 10 guy or anything. But they've got a lot of fun, interesting guys uh, sprinkled throughout the system. Um, the top 10, I think could look a lot better in a year. Um, if a lot of the guys answered some of the questions, I think from five to 10 there, it was kind of a, a matter of sorting through whose red flags were less red, um, and how many of them there were. And there's some really interesting stuff coming stuff, players coming from the lower levels, uh, to who could I mean down East this year should be really uh toolsy i don't know how well that will translate to wins for the old wood ducks but there's going to be a lot of really interesting prospects at that level this year and you know there's it, it's a lot of upside in the system and it got a little bit more when we just updated our 30s we added sebastian walcott their uh top international signee from this most recent period so it's um there's a lot of upside sprinkled throughout uh the the, the system yeah, there's definitely some lower-level guys with upside, but there's also some guys who have uh, gotten a full-season ball and in some cases ascended to the upper levels and have shown plenty of upside as well. The number one prospect in the system is Evan Carter, and it's interesting. We talk about there's been a lot of 
top draft picks this organization has made because they've struggled so much in the major leagues. Josh Young was a first rounder. Jack Leiter was a first rounder. Kamar Rocker, the third overall pick last year. We talked about Foscu and Wynn. But Carter's kind of surpassed all of them. He was a surprise second round pick in the shortened 2020 draft, a guy not a lot of people knew a whole lot about. The Rangers at the time felt like if there had been a full high school season, he would have been one of the biggest risers. And I remember immediately talking to evaluators who were in instructional league that year, the only minor league baseball that was played. The reviews were pretty good on Evan Carter right away. He was limited to only 32 games in his first season in 2021, but last year in 2022 had a really good year. Hit for average, extra base hits all across the board, stole 28 bases, drove in runs, scored runs, got up to double A at the end of the year in his age 19 season. What do the Rangers have here in Evan Carter? Well, there's really two ways this could go. If he gets stronger, they might have a superstar. I just said they don't have a super duper star, but that's a level above superstar. If he adds the strength, he could be a five tool monster. If he doesn't, you might have guys a little lesser, more with, you know, he doesn't have the power, but he'll have contact and on base and defense skills. He'll have uh, a lot of the, the other tools besides power. Now, the Rangers do believe that based on the way his body looks, um, his hands, his feet, his neck, that he's going to grow into some power. Uh, so that's kind of the last thing. He's got strike zone discipline. He's got uh, contact ability. He's got speed. He can play center field. He knows the strike zone like nobody's business. It's a really in, um, interesting player, and they did a great job. There was some kind of inside info that they had about him uh, that maybe put them ahead of the pack. And, you know, I had heard uh, at some point before the draft, I don't have very many draft sources, but I heard someone say that there's going to be a real big surprise in the first uh, – you know, in the draft. And uh, this was it. This was the one that they were talking about. They wouldn't tell me who, but someone it's going to look like a team is punting the draft and uh, it, it won't be that. So this is, this is a really interesting young player who, if he gets stronger, could be even higher than he is on our top 100. Yeah. Right now he's number 26 on our top 100. And Again, has all the hallmarks of, of the Rangers center fielder of the future. And even if the power doesn't come, like you said, hit for average, get on base, play defense. And I think what stands out about him too is he has tools. You can project some physical growth, but he also has instincts. This isn't a, a raw high school kid. You know, he's from a small town in Tennessee. And sometimes those guys, you know, get lumped into the oh, you know, raw toolsy high school kid bucket. But he has instincts, he plays hard, he has a lot of the intangibles that give evaluators a real strong sense that he's going to get the most of his ability, which a lot of times is a separator. Yeah. I mean, he's just a really good baseball player who happens to also have a lot of tools. Um, and you're right. He doesn't have a whole lot, didn't have a whole lot of um, experience coming in this year. Cause last year or 2021, he had some sort of back injury. I think he broke his back, which sounds worse than I guess it is. Uh, but he bullied Hickory last year and showed some gumption too, by playing through a foot injury. He fouled the ball off one of his feet and then just didn't go on the IL as far as I can remember. And once it kind of healed, he started showing himself a little more. I think the day he was finally back to 100%, he had you know a couple triples or something that day. Um, and then he got to the Texas League for like the last couple of games of the regular season, last six games of the regular season, and the playoffs. You know, small sample, but he went nine for 21 uh, in the regular season with three doubles five walks, six punch outs, two stolen bases. 
And, you know, he was doing all that while he was 20 years old and is still 20 years old, as a matter of fact. Just 20 years old when he got there. Yeah, he turned 20 at the end of August. And, uh, again, a really, really impressive young player and someone who was pretty clear-cut, the number one prospect in the system. He'd really emerged as that during the year. I feel like after number one is where the debates start to get really interesting because you're right. There are a lot of talented players in this organization kind of sprinkled at all levels of the minors, uh, different pedigrees, you know, whether they were top draft picks, uh, college, uh, international signees, high school arms. It's an interesting collection of guys after Evan Carter. How would you say this, this group stacked up and how many different names were kind of in the mix for number two? I would say just the one. I, there, I, there was a case I could have made that Owen White would have been number one in the system. And I know some people okay. do have Owen White number one in that system. He is, uh, he's got a lot of things to like about him. He's got very little experience because of injuries and the pandemic and more injuries. He had the Tommy John and then the pandemic happened. And then he came back and he had like one start and he punched the mound or something and broke his hand and missed most of the year. And then he came back and happened to pitch in front of this this bear right here, here in Zebulon, and it was really interesting. He was throwing with a purpose. He you know, had that fastball, and he was going to throw it by you, going to freeze you with a curveball. He's got a slider and a changeup in there too. But what really stuck out was that he was pitching like it was the seventh game of the World Series, and it was not the seventh game of the World Series. And I think he if he if he would have been allowed. He would have fought the entire Mudcats team. He was just had a, a pair of medicine bet balls kind of swinging by his hips, let's say. He was a cocky son of a gun. And that was really something to see from a guy who really didn't have a whole lot to back it up um, in his track record. And then he went to the Fall League and kind of did the same thing. He was one of like four good pitchers in the Fall League that year, at least when I was there. I think the, a, a decent one, Mackenzie Gore, left before I got a chance to take video of him. So there were not, it was few and far between in the fall league, but he stood out and just kind of shoved every time out. So he's far and away at the very least, the best pitching prospect in the system. Yeah. I remember during the fall league in 2021, when he was pitching for surprise, he was the talk of the league and people were really, really high on what he was doing out there. I got out there in time to go see his final start and, and it was impressive. I mean, you saw the stuff, you saw the moxie, you saw, really kind of everything you wanted to see. And again, he went out this year, got up to double A Frisco, performed well. But like you said, it's a limited track record. You know, he threw 80 in the third innings this year, was 35 in the third innings the year before. And that was his first professional season, despite the fact he was drafted in 2018 for all the injuries. So um, only 115 and two thirds career innings, but they've been really good. What's the plan in terms of build up next year and, and realistically you know, what do the Rangers think can happen in terms of his ability to hold up over a full season? I mean, he did get hurt again last year. He had like, I forget, it was like tendonitis or something that kept him on the shelf for a little while. And he came back and he pitched in the final game of the championship series. Um, you know, championship on the line, everything like that. Two innings, six strikeouts. That'll do. That'll play. Now, to answer your question... I mean, I don't really know what their plans are. I think he's going to be – I think he had a chance to be in the big leagues at some point this year. Um, I think he was a little miffed to be in Hickory last year, if we're honest, to start the year. I think he earned his way with the fall league to get to double A. 
And this is going to be a year where he has to go on. I think this is, look, he's on the 40 man, I think, right now. Either that or he needs to go on after this season. So they got to make a decision on him uh, pretty quick. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make his big league debut at some point. Yeah, you mentioned the injury last year again. He didn't pitch in the regular season after uh, July 13th again. He, he came back in the playoffs. But the biggest thing with him is durability. Um, and you mentioned kind of in our intro that when you look at this Rangers prospect group, there's a lot of really talented players, but there's also a lot of red flags, whether it's injuries or in some cases performance. And a guy who kind of falls into that as well as Josh Young, uh, one of the best hitters in college baseball at Texas Tech, was a top 10 overall pick immediately hit his way up the minors, looked really, really impressive. But he's had significant injuries each of the last two years. A stress fracture in his foot limited him in 2021. Then last year he suffered a torn labrum in spring training and didn't play much at all during the year. But he did get up to the majors uh, for 26 games at the end of the year. The Rangers weren't shy about pushing him, even though, again, he missed pretty much the entire year. Uh, came back to play uh, 31 games at the end of the year in the minors before they put him in the majors. What is Josh Young's outlook? Because he's always looked like a really, really promising hitter, but two significant injuries, and and there has been a little bit of a of a toll taken potentially on his body. Yeah, when he hits, when he's on the field, he hits. He's just not on the field a whole lot. And kind of well, inside Baseball America here, the day he tore his labrum, or at least that it was announced, we were putting putting our issue to bed with a gigantic Rangers spread. And Josh Young was not a small, not an insignificant piece of it. He was also the org report that issue. So we had to like, in the final hours, go back and like edit in. He's hurt. He's hurt. He's hurt before that went to press. Um, but to answer your question about Josh Young, you know, I think he's going to be a really interesting ball player. Now, he didn't do particularly well when he got to the big leagues. He struck out a ton and he was admittedly pressing. Uh, there's a, I think we have another board report on him or some sort of story on him recently um, where he went, or maybe it was another publication. I don't know. It's all clicks and whistles at this point um, where he kind of went back to basics and tried to get back to the swing that really had him succeeding the way he did. And so th this year might be a little bit of a reset for him, try to get some pressure off him. He's got the big league time under his belt. Frankly, if you told me right now that I'd be talking about him in the top 10 prospects, I'd be a little surprised. I figured he would have graduated by now, but he has a spot up there, whether it's third base or first base remains to be seen. He's not going to be a, a gold glover over at third base or anything. He could probably hack it over there, but he might have to move over to first at some point soon. Yeah, and, and Nate Lowe has sort of staked his claim to the Rangers' first base job. So obviously, if he can stick at third, that's going to be the most important thing for Josh Young's career outlook. It was interesting. I remember talking to an evaluator at the end of last season who saw Young when he came back, and he said, you know, he had some concerns just the way the swing was working, the way his body was moving, that that the injuries had, again, kind of taken a toll a little bit, and it didn't look like the same hitter pre-injury. At the same time, could have been rust, you know, again, it, it's really, really tough to know when a guy is out that long, and this is going to be a really important spring training for him and seeing what kind of start he gets off to this year, whether it's a triple A or the majors. Cause again, he struggled in his debut last year, 39 strikeouts and 102 plate appearances. Again, you don't want to hold struggles in a guy's big league debut against him. I'm just going to be curious to see if he can get back to the hitter. He was pre-injuries as you kind of alluded to with maybe some of the, the changes he's making. Cause it did stick out to me that people who really, really, really believed in him as a hitter before this uh, most recent shoulder injury, 
had a few more questions when they watched him after he came back. Josh, with that, I mean, what are the odds that Josh Young contends for not just the Rangers starting third base job this year, but maybe even potentially is an impact rookie in the big leagues? Is he ready for that? He could be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's just going to be whether or not those changes that we just talked about, you know, take. And if he does do that, then, you know, maybe he's a little better than I think. But he's going to be a hitter, I think, maybe not like a true MVP, you know, rookie of the year caliber hitter just off the top of the off the top. But maybe he gets there in a few years. Yeah, and again, we'll, we'll see what he's able to do here. All three of these guys, Carter, White, Young, are top 100 prospects, and they all have a chance to be fairly significant contributors to the Rangers moving forward. In the case of Young, pretty quickly here, uh, White and Carter got to double-A last year, so they're not too far off. There are some interesting prospects outside of this group and definitely some big names to talk about, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. We're going to take a quick break, Josh, and then I'll dive into those guys here as soon as we get a word from our sponsors. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to the Baseball America Rangers Top 10 Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, here with Josh Norris. All right, Josh, so we talked about Evan Carter, Owen White, Josh Young, the top three prospects in the system before the break. All three of them are top 100 prospects and fairly clear-cut top 100 prospects. One guy who was a clear-cut top 100 prospect last year and a clear-cut top-of-the-system type of prospect last year was Jack Leiter, celebrated pitcher out of Vanderbilt, son of Al Leiter, was the second overall pick in 2021, and had ace-type expectations, number two starter-ish, mid-rotation was kind of worst-case scenario. I mean, there were a lot of folks who, who thought that he had a chance to be a really, really impact prospect initially, and then ultimately an impact starting pitcher in the major leagues. The Rangers were very aggressive. They sent him straight to double-A Frisco last year to begin his professional career. And it was a really, really rough year. He went 3-10 and 10 with a 5.54 ERA. Uh, strikeouts were fine, 109 strikeouts and 92 in two-thirds innings. But the walks were really, really high. He really struggled to throw strikes consistently. The stuff was not as good as it was reported to be coming out of Vanderbilt, or it just wasn't as good as it was at Vanderbilt. Where is Jack Leiter right now? And and you you knocked him all the way down to number seven in this system. Was there any consideration for him higher? I mean, where where does he stand right now? It was a rough year, man. It was a really rough year. You know, you're right. It was a super aggressive assignment for a guy who came out as a draft eligible sophomore. Um, probably shouldn't have been at that level, especially in that hitting environment. That is a place that's you know there's several Coors Fields 
in the Texas League. And Frisco is one of them, quite frankly. But part of it is he's learning how his stuff works. Like his fastball plays better up in the zone than down in the zone. His curveball uh, is not a particularly good pitch uh, by scouting or analytic standards. His slider is the better breaking ball. And he's learning those things quickly. He's learning the, the importance of command. Uh, he's learning that just what you can and cannot do uh, to really, really good hitters. I think you can give him a mulligan for last year since, like I said, he was double A is a big jump. You and I both know the jump from high A to double A is the biggest besides the triple A to the big leagues. And he didn't have a, he, he didn't throw in instructs after signing. This was his first test of any kind in pro ball outside of, you know, spring minor league spring training. What have you. But he found out the hard way that he's going to have to make adjustments to his stuff and to the way he deploys it uh, to see the results he wants to see. Um, so we'll see how, if he does it this year. But I've got to imagine that was a big reality check for someone so famous and so hyped and so celebrated to kind of, you know, be, be knocked around so regularly like he was in double A. Yeah, you mentioned you can give him a mulligan, but at the same time, it is noticeable that you did drop him considerably in your, in your Rangers farm system rankings, and he fell out of the top 100. What do evaluators see as his potential now? Do they still see a chance for him to be a, a number two, three-ish starter, or are they lower on it now? There's there's a chance that he could be a, a mid-rotation starter. Whether you want to call that, I call that a three because the middle of five is three, but he has to learn how to use his stuff. It's really that simple. And he has to command the baseball better. Does he have all the raw ingredients? You bet. But now he has to take those raw ingredients and make them into a delicious cake at this point. So now we'll see. It's one year. I know it seems like he's been around forever, but he hasn't <laughs> for one year. So we'll see what he, what, what he can do. You and I both know that one year can make a lot of difference in the, in the minor league. I don't know what he's been doing in the off season. Maybe maybe we go to spring training in a few months here, a few months, a few weeks. Go to spring training in a few months, um, and he looks like a new man. Who knows? We'll see. We will see. But one year, probably not the way you want to start off your pro career. Yeah, and and lighters. Not the only famous Vanderbilt pitcher in this system. Kumar Rocker, who was the tenth overall pick in the twenty twenty one draft by the Mets, famously did not sign sat out most of the year pitched a little bit in indie ball and the months leading up to the draft the rangers took him third overall uh, paid him a significantly under slot bonus but still top three overall pick is very very valuable and speaks to what a team thinks of a player he did not throw in a regular season game after signing he did come out and pitch in the arizona fall league where it, it was it was very very mixed as you and i'll talk about a, a little bit later you ranked him 10th in this system, and there was some debate whether he was one of the 10 best prospects in this system, I know, based off your reporting. What were the initial reviews and impressions of Kamar Rocker, and what is his outlook? Another guy who did not pitch in instructs. So when I saw him in the fall league, that was the first time he had thrown to a hitter, as far as I know, as a Texas Ranger. So it was um, kind of interesting. You heard about the arm slot being lowered, and it was, and it's it's not quite the sidearm it was ru rumored to be, but it was lower, or lower three-quarters kind of slot. Um, the stuff was okay, um, but you understand there's a lot of rust there. <laughs> He'd only pitched for the uh, 
the Tro- the Troy Valley Cats, Tri City Valley Cats, in the Atlantic League, Frontier League. <laughs> Reviews are very very mixed. Um, you know, frankly, after two starts that I saw, I saw the first and second start of his in the fall league. There were evaluators that said if I didn't know who he was, I put an NP on him. And there are there are other ones, there are more patient ones, who said, you know, you have to wait. So he threw, I think, six times in the fall league, and that sounds like he got a little bit better toward the end, which is understandable. Um, it's it's a mixed bag, man. They believe in him, um, but he's got a lot of injury uh, on his card too. And there's a reason. <laughs> it was a nice little play that they had in the draft, getting him there, getting him where they did, and then using the savings to get Brock Porter, who's a couple spots up, um, and who has you know as high a ceiling as any of the high school right-handers that were taken this year. Um, Kumar Rockers, you know, uh, he's got more question marks than the Riddler at this point. It's it's going to be really interesting to see where he goes. Yeah, you mentioned he got better as as the fall league went on. I saw his final fall league start and. Again, there, there was some good and some bad, right? You saw the arm strength. You saw the physicality. And you saw the slider. The slider was a really good pitch. Again, it was 96. He held it for a couple innings. Uh, slider was a good pitch. Again, you see the body and the physicality. Those are all good things. But you also saw a, a really, really, really difficult time commanding his fastball. There was no third pitch. He tried to throw something that might have been a cutter, might have been a changeup, but it wasn't, it wasn't a viable professional offering it needs a lot of work whatever it was so you you know you see two pitches and and command issues and and a lot of evaluators who were there that night when i talked to them they said you put an eighth inning reliever on them and again a a setup man is valuable it's just not quite what you want with a third overall pick at the same time again rust it'd been a while since he'd pitched and you have to remember too he was facing guys who were two to three years ahead of him on the development curve a lot of guys who had played double A baseball, a couple guys would play triple A. So, and, and this was his professional debut. So, you certainly give him a little bit of a break, but I think it'll be interesting to see what work he did in the offseason in terms of his fastball command, his third pitch development, and what he looks like this year. Uh, one conversation I, I had with a couple of evaluators now agreed is based on what he showed in the fall, you can't send him to double A based off of, especially after what happened with Jack Leiter, he would need to start in high A. That's where he is right now, which again is understandable given he hasn't pitched in a while. This is going to be more of a slow burn. This isn't a fast mover, goes to double A right away and, and crushes it based off what we saw in the fall. Like maybe he comes back looking very different this off season, but after this off season, I should say, but Based on the fall league look, it, it's it's going to be more of a slow burn. Josh, two other first rounders who are outside the top ten: Justin Foskey and Colwin. Uh, just real quickly, what's the update on them, and and what ultimately pushed them out of the top ten? Uh, Foskey was pushed out by a little bit of lack of defensive value. Um, I've had scouts who said that they don't believe he could play first base um, adequately, which was kind of the the dagger for me. All right, now there were some really good hitting traits in there and he, offense is going to carry him. Uh, there sounds like they're going to play him more at third base this year, which is actually not in the book. It's only, I, you know, I think they may have made a decision uh, about that after the book went to press or something like that. But I think you'll see him more at third base this year. But no matter where he plays, the bat is going to be the value. And I was a little scared by kind of a stiffer body and lack of athleticism and defensive value. Um, so that's why he was there. Um, and then who was the other one you mentioned? I'm sorry. Colwyn. Thank you. Colwyn 
Um, well, his deal, kind of a mulligan, just like uh, Jack Leiter. He's younger than you think. He's just turned 23 this offseason. He spent all year at 22 in the uh, in AAA. And part of his year was kind of scuttled by getting hit by a line drive and then uh, kind of compensating after coming back and kind of pitching a little more timid, which I understand. You get hit by a baseball coming back at you. I'm going to be a little timid. Um, but he also had some stuff that he needs to do in terms of, you know, fastball command and getting his lines to the plate cleared up a little bit. So I think there's something there, but it might not be as good looking as it was a couple of years ago. But again, Mulligan for a guy who's 22 years old in AAA and like, like AA, um, the Pacific Coast League also has a lot of places that can really uh, screw with your ERA and batted balls <laughs> based on uh, the hitting environment there. You pitch at Vegas enough, you're going to be in trouble. You pitch at Reno enough, you're going to be in trouble. You pitch at El Paso enough, you're going to be in trouble, you know? Yeah, and I think that's what stands out to me about this Rangers system is all these guys, they have something to like. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of question marks, maybe more so than other big name prospects and a lot of other systems. Josh, outside, once you get a little deeper into this system, who are some of the guys that you think have a chance to really, really pop here in 2023? Because you mentioned there there are some really interesting low-level guys here, particularly uh, Latin American signees. Yeah, Jason Morabel, he's probably going to be in Downies this year. I think he got there a little bit last year. He had... He's got some some really interesting tools. He could be an above average hitter with average power, kind of average-ish across the board with a six arm. Um, he's you know at the front of that group. Um, Glenn Figueroa is a guy who kind of popped up. Uh, they they were telling me about him right before ish spring training started last year, and he came out and raked just a little bit in the ACL. You know, two eighty three sixty three six sixteen slug. I'll take the six sixteen slug. He might have to clean up his. Um, uh, he's throwing a little bit, but there's a hitter in there. Uh, Daniel Cuevas, pretty pure hitter. He's got a pretty nice little average-ish, to, maybe a plus hitter, some scouts think, with averages to fringe average stuff uh, across the board otherwise. Um, it'll be interesting to see this year what Emiliano Teodo does. There's a pretty split, pretty split camp about whether that guy's a starter or a reliever. He's got a very skinny body, but a whippy arm. He brings fastball up to 100 miles an hour pretty regularly. Snap off a really nice slider. Change up is nothing to write home about, but you know, we'll see how the body goes and see how he's learning um, the change up. Uh, and then, if you want to go even lower than that, which I so often do, talk about a guy named Leandro Lopez, uh, who when we start when we're doing the handbook, he went by Leandro Calderon, but there's been some birth certificate kind of things since then, and he now goes by Leandro Lopez. Um, so he's, I, I kept him out of the 30 because he spent two years in the DSL, but it's the same kind of idea. Sits mid-90s, can touch a couple of six hires, 3,000 spin curveball, uh, former outfielder, if I remember correctly, former position player of some kind, and kind of has a really nice loose arm. And I think you'll see him at down east or in the ACL at some point this year. And he'd be the next Emiliano Teodo, uh, where it's a really interesting little player. Uh, Achedri Vargas who was in the DSL this year, kind of an interesting little prospect. He's got kind of average to fringe average tools across the board. Showed some really good strike zone discipline. And then a guy who was in the 30 for the book, but pushed out by Walcott, um, and Jojo Blackman, who is an outfielder who has a ton of tools. But the one tool that you really want, he doesn't have just yet. He's, I mean, we put him down as a 30 hitter, but he's got 
big time exit velocity. He can run like the wind. Former wide receiver who can play center field and runs really good routes. Doesn't chase a whole lot at the plate. Just misses a lot in zone. Strong throwing arms. There's a bag of tools there. Um, and I, as anybody who follows me and listens to these podcasts knows, I will take a bag of tools any day and let player development kind of put them together. I put him at 30, in the book at least, as a bit of a wild card. And you know, maybe I look really smart in two years. Maybe I don't. But that's kind of what the end of these lists are sometimes, unless you've got, you know, a super duper system. You're kind of throwing darts. So that's a name that I thought was really um, intriguing to me. Yeah, like you said, there's a lot of interesting names in this system. Josh, as we wrap up here, any final thoughts on the Rangers farm system franchise outlook moving forward? Because, again, this is a team that is trying to get back on the winning track and they're going to need some of these guys in the farm system to produce in order to do that over the long term, at least. You know, we talked about in the Giants podcast, oh, these many days ago, about how they're kind of in the wrong division. Uh, the Rangers are also in a division that is not uh, enviable to be in at this point. You've got the Astros who are the Astros and will continue to be the Astros. But the Mariners, too, are kind of on the upswing. So you might be in a division where you have to battle two beasts. And then there's the Angels out there who track record doesn't precede, uh, precede them lately, but they do have two of the best players on the planet and have done a pretty good job uh, complementing them this year. So it's maybe a little tough, tougher haul um, in that division for, for a while, but their system is it's up there with the most fun ones I do, and I would say also I think about Aaron Zavala too. He's a guy with a really good knowledge of the strike zone but has been beset by injuries he's he was probably been a little couple ticks higher on this list if he didn't exit the fall league with kind of uh you need tommy john light um he sounds like he's a little ahead of schedule in that regard but you know he's we'll we'll see it's been a lot of it's, it's kind of josh young level injuries for that guy unfortunately yeah, and that's been a theme of Rangers farm systems in years past. Lots and lots and lots of injuries, especially for the pitchers. And there's a lot of injuries in this group too, but we'll see if some of them can stay healthy enough to ultimately uh, get to Arlington and help make yep. an impact for the big league team. Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. We appreciate your time and insight as always. See you later. All right, everyone, that'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Josh Norris, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.